0: Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Claire. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics podcast at secondprintcomics.com.
1: beautiful bell breakers this is your weekend wrap-up i am bill i'm going solo craig is on a much needed vacation and i am um i'm batching it so you are getting me unfiltered so to speak and um i'm gonna do the best i can craig usually does sound i'm tone deaf with this um so i'm going balls to the wall i'm not going to worry about the sound I think I have a good setup. We'll find out. Hopefully, you don't get an hour of me just moving my lips. Just joking. Okay, so um, first things first, um, just want to touch on um, Ted Cruz. Um, everybody's giving him crap for his failed family vacation. And then him attempting to kind of cover to, you know, come back, cook hot dogs, whatever. I mean, let's be honest. The guy is not going to be jumping in his Plow King truck. And driving around Texas, there wasn't much he was going to do. But optics-wise, it looks kind of bad when you have your your senator, uh, leader of the Republican Party, um, kind of. I mean, he's pretty vocal, um, jumping on a plane and heading to Cancun. So it's bad optics. Um, it's kind of a dick move. But I'm not going to hold it against him. Uh, news people have put in a lot more coverage on this than what's needed. Uh, what isn't getting a lot of coverage, though, is Andrew Cuomo. The um, the Emmy Award winning, uh, the guy who got um, a, a check for $768,000 to write a book on his leadership during the pandemic, um, has come out, as you all know, that he was stocking rest homes with COVID patients. And um, then it came out that he did it a lot more than what they said. So he's getting slammed by that, but it's not getting a lot of coverage. Now you have a former... Um, aid coming out Lindsay Boylan who says that uh, he sexually harassed her and that he tried to kiss her Um, he said um, let's see go out of his way to touch my my lower back his arms, his legs he compared me to his ex-girlfriends joked about maybe needing to play strip poker um, and then uh, let's see here and then he kissed her on the lips uh, he goes. Uh, she goes, as I got up to leave and walked toward an open door, he stepped in front of me and kissed me on the lips. I was in shock, but I kept walking, she said. The idea that someone might think I held my high-ranking position because of the governor's crush on me was more demeaning than the kiss itself, she confirmed. Um, again, this is not getting a lot of coverage. Um, Cuomo denied what he did. He, uh, he said, look, I fought for, her, and I believe a woman has the right to come forward and express her opinion and express issues and concerns that she has, Cuomo told reporters. But it's just not true. Because the claims are inappropriate, of inappropriate are just quite simply false. So based on the fact that he's already lied about stocking rest homes um, with COVID patients and then cooking the books even further and then slamming Trump for not helping and blaming everything on him, um, now it comes out that... Um, sexual harassment and let's be honest there's never just one case when it comes with these so I'm sure there will be many people piling on top now at this point and maybe they want a cut of that fat $768,000 check doubt it but um, the fact of the matter is the guy's scum and um, it'll be interesting to see what his brother has to say about him on CNN Um, although I'm sure it's not much but again the guy's scum and he uh, really needs to be kicked out of office Um, I'm sure he's crooked as hell But um, that is not Facts I have in front of me That's just an opinion So moving forward We have um, We have Amazon doing a Digital book burning I'm not going to say the n-word because I don't want to get drummed off And boy Craig would be really upset if he Came back and, and you know we were silenced But um fact of the matter is um, it started with um, – or not started with, but a prominent part of it is Clarence Thomas, who uh, wrote a dissenting article. He's a conservative justice on the Supreme Court. Uh, they did not like him in the 90s. They tried to drum him out. Uh, they tried to bring him up on sexual harassment back then um, because nothing's more dangerous to the Democratic Party than a African-American conservative. It goes against their complete and total narrative. Anyways, he was confirmed. Um, they have not liked him. Anyways, he uh, when there was a case for um, uh, voter fraud brought before the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court refused to look at it. He wrote a dissenting um, uh, article saying that, look, it's the court's responsibility to look at it. It maintains the integrity of the election process, and it's important to do. Well, he took some slack for that. Why wouldn't he? He's a conservative as it is, and now it's showing favor towards Trump. Those are three strikes against him. So, uh, there was a a documentary planned that was going to go on Amazon Prime uh, for Black History Month, and it got pulled. It got pulled um, because of who he is. And uh, Amazon decided not to stop there. So, this is from the Daily Wire. Conservatives are sounding the alarm about an updated Amazon policy that bans books the ubiquitous billion dollar company deems offensive or includes hate speech. Um, goes on that, um, let's see. Ryan Anderson had written a book critical of gender theory called when Harry became Sally responding to the transgender movement. This was removed from the Amazon site as well. Um, Content guidelines for books under a section labeled Offensive Content in Amazon states, They don't sell certain content, including content that we determine as hate speech, promotes the abuse of sexual exploitation of children, contains pornography, glorifies rape or pedophilia, advocates terrorism or other material we deem inappropriate or offensive. A review of these policies suggests that sometime in the last few months, Amazon made a major change in the way to which it moderates book content. Um, on its servers, imposing a much stricter standard on books than it had previously done. The report said um, it appears the company recently called so-called hate speech to their guidelines on book platforming and is amping up their censorship of offensive material. So what is considered hate speech? Uh, What is considered offensive? Who determines that? You know, is Huckleberry Finn going to be taken off? You know, like so many people in the past you know deemed offensive um unfortunately uh it's it's up to the people working at amazon oh well that guy there he doesn't like um obama so let's take him off the air oh he doesn't like biden oh this guy wants to cover the um supposed alleged election fraud and we don't really want that on there so we're not going to allow that to be published it goes on and on it's 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 slippery slope. I know that term is used a lot, but it's true. It's true. Um, going further down the road, we have the Boston Public Schools are um, suspending advanced classes. So this is says fourth, fifth, and sixth graders will not be accepted into advanced classes in Boston for the next year because a majority of the students in those classes are white or Asian. Um. Let's see. Advanced work classes will suspend enrollment because of the pandemic, but mostly also because of concerns about equity. The school district analyzed the demographics of the program and found that more than 70 percent of students enrolled in the program were white and Asian, even though nearly 80 percent of all Boston public school students are Hispanic and black. There's been a lot of inequities that have been brought to the light in the pandemic that we have to address. Superintendent Brenda Casillas told the outlet, there's a lot of work we have to do in the district to be anti-racist. That term's going to be the buzzword for the years, so get used to it. And have policies where all of our students have a short, a fair shot at an equitable and excellent education. Castilius also explained that only five schools currently offer the advanced classes and that interest has de- declined over the past few years. So you're going to punish these advanced students because it seems like interest has declined. Maybe they should promote... The advance, the advancements, the um, promote some of the um, the advantages of attending the advanced classes, rather than just shutting it down. Um, Again, I see a couple states that are trying to push um, more pro choice in school, not pro choice in school, choice in school, and hopefully that's a way that we'll get around it. You know, these teachers unions they bully their way. You know, they bullied their way past Biden. Biden originally said, oh, well, there's no reason why we shouldn't open up. You know, kids, they don't really transmit COVID, and it they're not really going to be affected by it. And then the teachers' unions got a hold of him, and then he came out and said, you know what? Let's just uh, let's open half the schools like a couple days a week. Let's not get crazy. You know, you got California, Washington, Chicago all coming out. Well, in-class school, that that's rather racist. Well... Really, what isn't racist anymore? You know, anything that no, they don't like is going to be considered racist. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Again, anti-racist is going to be the buzzword for the year is everybody attempts to go anti-racist. Um, in our town, uh, I was uh, notified of uh, by a friend said that they noticed that some of the new schools that are re- being rebuilt, they're having the president's name stripped off of them, and they're giving other names like Willow Creek or Pleasant Hill, just kind of vague terms, you know, gen- generalized, you know, very safe names. So they're taking the president's names off of the schools. You know, I can't help but think that may be a byproduct of the 1619 program. Um, if you're not aware of what that is, it is um, – It was an article written by a New York Times journalist who um, basically says um, America was started in 1619, um, that um, it's based solely on, you know, America is based solely on slavery. Uh, The uh, Declaration of Independence, the Constitution were written by the Founding Fathers so they can keep their slaves. It it, it, it really is flies in the face of everything that the United States represents. Um, but again, it was created by or written up by a liberal to push the liberal agenda. A lot of schools have adopted it. Um, fortunately, in Iowa, they have voted to strip funding from any curriculum that um, pushes forward the 1619 program. Um, something to keep an eye out for, something in your own school districts if you're not sure. You know, ask them about that. Ask them about the sixteen nineteen. Make sure curriculum is that curriculum is not being pushed because it is harmful. I mean, it goes beyond not saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm fine with if you don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance. You know what? I you shouldn't have to pledge to a flag. I, that's my personal opinion. I am I consider myself very patriotic, but I don't think you should pledge yourself to a flag. However, I do think that you should learn about your country, the good and the bad. And the United States has a lot of, of both, but you can't just push one side and not the other. Um, again, I, I think they're going to use this to push um, uh, reparations. I think they're going to push this to make you apologize for being white because you can't be anti-racist and white unless you apologize for being white. Okay. Um, again, the teachers' unions are bullies. This is something that they're going to try to push through, so just keep an eye out again, ask these questions of your, of your teachers, of your school districts. Um, that's all I got on that. So, um, now moving on to Biden, um, (laughs) Biden appears to be, um, and this is again, something I've noticed. Um, I think when Trump was voted in, he really, um, he really screwed the pooch for the democratic party. I think that if you look back at the Biden or not Biden, I'm sorry, Obama uh, administration back in uh, say, you know, 2012 um, he had the house and the Senate, right? And they were really timid about pushing through certain laws. They didn't want to be the ones to own it. And so they didn't pull the trigger on a lot of them. So a lot of the ones that they passed, such as the Obama care, they um, pushed through at midnight. You know, late at night, holidays, uh, weekends, something where they would skip the news cycle because they didn't want that kind of coverage. Well, Hillary was supposed to become president. In my opinion, that didn't happen. Trump jumped in the way, which is fine. It happens, right? Well. I feel like what we're witnessing right now is an accelerated effort to kind of gain the ground that was lost and push, push through what they are trying to get to. Again, they have a deadline for 2030, right? That's when they want to be switched over for their carbon emissions. That's when they want to be simpatico at the UN. So they're, they're pushing through full force. They're, they're not apologetic about it. They're not hiding who they are anymore. It's like, this is what they want to do. This is what they want to get through. So they're 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 pushing through full force. And and again, when people see what's going on, there's no guarantee they're going to get, you know, the house or the senate come next election. So they're trying to get done as much as possible. Now, I think that there's a playbook in order. And so when Biden was president or became the nominee, they gave him the playbook and they're like, "Look, this is what we need to get done. Get it done." Right? And so you witnessed all these um, executive orders that have gone through, and now the, the House and Senate, they're, they're passing the bills, trying to catch up with the executive orders. The executive order is kind of a placeholder to get things done, and then you're going to follow up with these bills. You see this with the transgender bill that Biden signed at the very first day. That was his number one priority, right? And so now you have the, the House. They've gone through and they've passed this equality bill. If you don't know what the Equality Bill is, um, I've talked to Craig, we're talking about doing a a full show on it because I I think that it is very harmful to the country. I'm not going to get full force into it right now, um, but basically it adds um, gender protections um, for transgender um, and into the Civil Rights Act. So this is something that will supersede um, a lot of state laws. I think it's very harmful because if you're in a church or, um, a religion that may preach, um, on differences in gender that may preach pro-life, um, you're going to come under attack. Okay. Um, it specifically calls out, you know, if you're anti, if you're pro-life anti-abortion, that you're, you're discriminating, discriminating against, um, against a person's choice at that point okay it becomes discrimination which is a much more serious than just a state law um condemning it okay so this is going to affect all kinds of people some of the examples they gave were um doctors that um you know refused to do sex change because it wasn't needed or or required or hormone therapies or um a teacher that was not calling a student by the proper pronouns, even though he was calling the student by the name that they had requested because he wasn't using the pronouns. He was deemed unfit and was drummed out. This is going to be a continuing problem. My, my issue that I see is a lot of times in sports, you know, you, you see, you know, guys should not be competing against girls, even if they identify as girls If you have an XY chromosome, you should not be throwing a softball. You should not be fighting. You should not be uh, playing basketball. You should not be racing against someone with an XX chromosome. Joe Rogan put it best when I heard this week. He's like, you know, you take the toughest girl in the world, and she can hold her own against a good percentage of guys out there. You take the toughest guy in the world, and he's going to take out all the girls, all the women. That's just the way it is. I think that this generation that's coming up, they um, who claim they they want to be gender binary, um, non gender binary, non binary, whatever. You know they they're doing themselves an in service a, a disservice. You know, um, gender identity, sexual identity. You know those are those are critical things, and I don't think that it's it's helpful at all, especially as a young person to to want to not have a gender you know to I I think in a perfect world that looks good oh wow you know there's no color there's no gender you know we're all all one person right we're all one kind of thing whatever but in reality you're just you're harming yourself you really are Um, I, I like strong independent women I teach my daughter to be a strong independent woman as a man i I. Relish being a man, you know. I, I feel like in society today, men are emasculated. Um, they're they're meant, they're demeaned. They want you to apologize for being a man, right? I heard it best on an, another podcast. You know, when there's like you know, men are traditionally um, protectors, gatherers, hunters, warriors, soldiers, and um, as civilizations come up with technology those aren't really deemed necessary right so they're kind of kicked to the side they're they're emasculated they're pushed down but when the shit hits the fan right that's what you're looking for and time's going to come when the shit hits the fan and they're going to be looking for those type of people and they're not going to be around because they've been shamed they've been silenced they've been embarrassed I told my wife I said I want to get a t-shirt that says ask me about my toxic masculinity because I, I claim it. I I I'm all about it, you know. I I'm all about, you know, I'm your your stereotypical male. Uh, you know, I like guns, I like fast cars, I like beautiful women, I like explosions, I like to grill and sub-zero temperatures, I like to smoke a cigar, I like to drink whiskey. I grew up on James Bond, Buck Rogers, Starbuck's and Hunt Solo, Starbuck, not Starbucks. If you know Battlestar Galactica, you know he was originally a man, and um, and so I, I don't think that's something people should be ashamed of. So um, again, I don't want to get much deeper into that uh, because we're planning on doing a full show on that. Um, other acts that Biden has going on, he is looking to pass. Or the House is looking to pass H.R. 1. Okay, so the H.R. 1 is called the For the People Act of 2021. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? What it would do is federalize and micromanage the election process administered by the states, imposing unnecessary, unwise, and unconstitutional mandates on the states and reversing the decentralization of the American election process, which is essential to the protection of our liberty and freedom. It would implement nationwide the worst changes in election rules that occurred during the 2020 election. Excuse me. Go even further in eroding and eliminating basic security protocols that states have in place and interfere with the ability of states and their citizens to determine the qualifications and eligibility of voters, ensure the accuracy of voter registration rolls, secure the fairness and integrity of elections, and participate and speak freely in the electoral process. Our political process. So, all the laws that they passed this last year to make sure Trump did not steal the election, they want to make law, like nationwide, right across the board. Uh, some things that this would do here let's see here it would seize the authority of states to regulate voter registration and the voting process by forcing states to implement early voting automatic voter registration same-day registration, online voter registration, and no-fault absentee balloting. Make it easier to commit fraud and promote chaos at the polls through same-day registration. As election officials would have no time to verify the accuracy of voter registration, information and the eligibility of an individual to vote and could not anticipate the number of ballots and precinct workers that would be needed at specific polling locations. It would hurt voter turnout through 15 days of mandated early voting by diffusing the intensity of get-out-the-vote efforts. It would raise the cost of campaigns. Voters who vote early don't have the same information as those who vote on Election Day. Again, you'd get set up with buyer's remorse. You'd vote, and then you'd the guy would say something, or the gal would say something, and you'd be like, shit, I can't take that back. Which I think is what happened a lot in this last election. Um, Voters who vote early don't have the same information, and uh, I've covered that. Uh, Missing late-breaking developments that could affect their choices, as I said. Degrade the accuracy of registration lists by requiring states to automatically register all individuals, not just citizens, all individuals. That's key. From state and federal databases, such as state departments of motor vehicles, corrections and welfare offices, and federal agencies such as the Social Security Administration, the Department of Labor, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services of the Department of Health and Human Services. This would register a large number of ineligible voters, including aliens, and cause multiple or duplicate registrations of the same individuals and put federal agencies in charge of determining a person's domicile for voting purposes constitute a recipe for massive voter registration fraud by hackers and cyber criminals through online voter registration that is not tied to an existing state record, such as a driver's license. It would make it a criminal offense for a state official to reject a voter registration application, even when it is rejected under color of law, because the official believes the individual is ineligible to vote. It would also require states to allow 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds to register. That sounds like a mess. Um... No offense to 16-year-olds or 17-year-olds, but I know for me, when I was 16 or 17, I didn't pay attention to any of that stuff. Uh, When combined with the ban on voter ID and restrictions on the ability to challenge the eligibility of a voter, if I can talk, this would effectively ensure that underage individuals could vote with impunity. It would require states to count ballots cast by voters outside of their assigned precincts. Overriding the precinct system would by almost all states that allows election officials to monitor votes, staff polling places, provide enough ballots, and prevent election fraud. Mandate no-fault absentee ballots, which are the tool of choice for vote thieves. It would ban witness signature or notarization requirements for absentee ballots. Force states to accept absentee ballots received up to 10 days after election day, as long as they are postmarked by election day, and require states to allow vote trafficking, um, so that any third party, including campaign staffers and political constituents, consultants, sorry, can pick up and deliver absentee ballots. It would prevent election officials from preventing eligibility and qualification of voters and re- and removing eligible voters, ineligible voters. Um, It would make it impossible for uh, nonpartisan organizations to verify the the accuracy of registration rolls. It would ban state voter ID laws. It would violate the First Amendment with respect to a vast range of legal activity. Voter intimidation or coercion that prevents someone from registering or voting is already a federal crime under the Voting Rights Act, Um, but H.R. 1 would add a provision criminalizing, hindering, interfering, or preventing anyone from registering or voting, which is very vague. It would expand regulation and government censorship of campaigns and political activity and speech, including online and policy-related speech. It would violate the First Amendment, protect incumbents, and reduce the accountability of politicians to the public. Um, intimidation and harassment with modern equivalent of the type of disclosure requirements the U.S. Supreme Court um, and N.W.A.C.P. versus Alabama, which held violated associational rights protected by the 14th Amendment reduce the number of federal election commission members from five to six to five, allowing the political party with three commission seats to control the commission and engage in partisan enforcement uh, uh, activities. It would prohibit state election officials from participating in federal elections and impose numerous other ethics rules that are unconstitutional or unfairly restrict political activity eliminating the ability of the residents of specific states to make their own decisions about the rules um, What rules should govern their state? It requires states to restore the ability of felons to vote, which, I'll be honest, I don't have a problem with um, felons voting. I don't. I think if they've done the time they become an active member of society again, I think they should be allowed to vote. That's just me. I've studied it in my own um, classes, and um, that's just what I think. Um, Congress cannot override a constitutional amendment with the statute. Um, Transfer the rights to draw congressional districts from state legislatures to independent commissions whose members are unaccountable to voters. That scares me. Last thing I want is Nancy Pelosi to set up a a commission to redraw um, election districts. That would scare the crap out of me. Last thing I want, or anybody would want, is my city... And rural counties drawn into a very liberal city like, say, Iowa City, right? I mean, if you're in the outer counties of, of New York from the city, you don't want to be drawn into the same election lanes as that where you're primarily going to have a, a higher population that's going to be liberal or vice versa. If um, there's a higher number in the rural and you're in a bigger city, you don't want to be held accountable to rural votes if you're in a big city. I mean, that's unlikely because the higher population is urban. I'm just saying. Um, it authorizes the Internal Revenue Service to engage in partisan activity. Now, that's, that's, that's an Obama thing. Obama liked to use the IRS to um, go after um, political um, enemies. So the IRS, they would investigate and consider the political and policy positions of nonprofit organizations before granting taxism status. So, if a church says, like, um, and I know uh, the battle with the uh, Methodist Church right now, um, where they're they're going to split uh, half the of the Methodist, um, they believe in um, you know allowing same-sex ministers, same-sex bishops, uh, same-sex same-sex uh, marriages, um, which it's up to you if you think that's fine. Um, and, but then there's a part of the Methodist church who disagrees with that. Uh, they believe in adhering to scripture and, and, um, not condoning that. Um, but that would allow the IRS to go in then and say, look, um, we, we don't agree with what you're teaching here. And so we're not going to allow you to be tax exempt." Um, it will limit access to federal courts For anyone challenging the H.R. 1 uh, Prohibit the filing of any lawsuits Challenging the constitutionality of H.R. 1 Anywhere except the district court For the District of Columbia That would allow the court to allow all plaintiffs And invest in intervenors I've never heard that word in my life Regardless of their number um, It would severely limit the legal representation And due process rights of challengers it would establish a commission to protect democratic institutions that would threaten the independence of the j- judiciary, um, and threatening their independent judgment and subjecting them to political pressure and harassment. So, it sounds like they would be protecting what they want. Uh, it'd be protecting the. Um, it would give them control. I'm sure somewhere in there is they're going to want to get rid of the Electoral College and they would be stacking the electorate for the next, you know, several elections. And that is no bueno for anybody. Uh, n- definitely not the country. The Democratic Party may think that that is what they want, um, but I think that would be very harmful to, to them as well. Um, no but party, I think, should go unopposed. Uh, you know, I'd, I think... The many dissenting voices you have, the the better a country is, um, if they can get things done um, through debate and um, actually talking about it, Um, rather than just one party taking over. I wouldn't want that of any party, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H Media.net. Going forward, uh, we have the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021. So the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021 is the most radical uh, piece of immigration legislation introduced in America. It would reward illegal aliens at the expense of American citizens. It would uh, trade national security, sovereignty, with the wealth being for a perceived political benefit. Uh, America deserves immigration laws that prioritize American lawful Immigrants, U.S. sovereignty, and national and economic security, not illegal aliens, smugglers, cartels, gangs, and breaking the law. The USCA would erase the distinction between legal and illegal immigration, includes no border security, would increase both illegal and legal immigration, would skyrocket costs for the American taxpayer, and does not advance American interest. Um, Some things it does. So, it would erase the line between illegal and legal immigration. The U.S.A. would change the long-standing word alien to non-citizen throughout the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952 because some claim that the word alien is offensive. Really? Alien? Offensive? I would love to be called an alien. I'm just saying. Uh, The INA defines alien as the person, not a citizen or national of the United States. Uh, Alien includes illegal aliens, temporary visitors, and lawful permanent residents. Each category has its own set of benefits, obligations, and operations for coming to the U.S. Changing alien to non-citizen erases these distinctions, yet the bill does not address these consequences. If Congress is going to debate immigration, it should use accurate, precise terms. Um, What proponents really seek to do is erase the line between illegal and legal immigration. This cheapens citizenship. The left wants to make American citizenship a meaningless and purely legal distinction. An ending amnesty for illegal immigrants. Amnesty begets more illegal immigration and thus more amnesties. It is an immoral solution to an immigration problem as it only encourages more dangerous and illegal entry into the U.S. The primary purpose of the immigration bill is to add new potential voters to the Democratic Party. The bill seeks to shorten the period from green card to citizenship and thus the vote to three years. This means that the bill aims to add millions of new voters to advance the 2024 presidential election in states like Texas and Florida that have large illegal alien populations. The bill would give untold millions of illegal immigrants living in the U.S. before January 1st, 2021, lawful prospective immigrant status, um, work authorization, and a social security number for six years with unlimited additional six-year term extensions estimates of the total illegal population range from 11 million to 22 million there's rewards illegal aliens for breaking the law the january 1st 2021 date is meaningless illegal aliens won't obey it and fraudulent documents can easily easily overcome it previous amnesties have proven that document fraud is rampant and difficult to enforce in determining eligibility LPIs could apply for a green card after five years and citizenship three years later. This tells future illegal aliens, come to the U.S. illegally, and you too will eventually get a green card. The DREAM Act, uh, the bill would provide green cards to anyone who entered the U.S. illegally before turning 18 years old. Far broader than giving green cards to the 869,000 DACA recipients who were required to enter the U.S. before 16 this encourages more parents to make their irresponsible and dangerous journeys with their children, or worse, to send their children unaccompanied to enter the U.S. legally, illegally. Remember those coyotes that Trump was talking about that everybody made fun of them for? Well, <laughs> this would skyrocket the coyote business. So, if you're looking to make a profit somewhere and you want to get a business started, you know, maybe look at becoming a coyote because I think that's going to be kind of the fastest rising job in the uh, in the U.S. the next couple years. Um. Let's see here. The number of children, the numbers of unaccompanied alien children crossing the border predictably skyrocket after the Democrats passed the Unaccompanied Alien Minor Act, yet they refuse to close the loopholes they created. Instead, they continue to pursue political power on the backs of children by offering them more benefits and creating stronger pull factors. Temporary protected status and deferred enforcement departure. This bill would provide green cards to anyone who has TPS or DED by January 1st, 2017. So it's retroactive. Um, It would give permanent residence to TPS holders. It ignores Congress's own intentions for the program, the most obvious of which is that Congress made it temporary. Agricultural workers, the bill would provide green cards to anyone who performed Agricultural work for 400 work days within five previous years. None of these adjustments to lawful permanent residential status counts against annual caps. Uh, the bill would encourage fraud and adjustment applications by punishing the sharing of information with Immigration and Customs um, with a $50,000 fine. Now think about that. If you if you were to report somebody um, or shared information with Immigration or ICE you could be nailed with a $50,000 fine. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. Uh, the bill would permit judicial review and district courts after multiple administrative levels of review, would give school grant money to enhanced opportunities to provide services to immigrant children, including schools that with at least 50 unaccompanied alien children, providing more Benefits for illegal alien children demonstrates the left's pursuit of power on the backs of children. The bill directs the unaccompanied children, uh, alien children, be counted for purposes of education grants, but the left otherwise obstructs counting of the illegal alien population. Um, let's see, aliens deported during the Trump administration who had previously lived in the U.S. for three years could return as, at taxpayer expense. Central Americans could be paroled into the U.S. for family reunification, disregarding Congress's own laws. The State Department would have to advertise these programs in Central America to increase awareness. The U.S. government would be an active participant in illegal immigration. The multi-year bars to re-entry for aliens who lived in the U.S. illegally for more than six months and then left would be scrapped. Uh, let's see here. Government-funded legal counsel would be required for vulnerable populations of removable aliens, including children, those financially unable to obtain adequate representation, a person with a disability, victims of abuse, torture, or violence, and pregnant or lactating women. The attorney general would appoint a government-funded attorney for any other removable alien. Um, they would. Let's see. It would eliminate the one-year filing deadline for asylum applicants. Um, let's see here the bill would codify the granting of work authorization to an asylum applicant no later than six months from filing Um, it would increase all types of legal immigration it would raise the annual per count country limit on family based immigration and eliminate the country cap for employment visas um The diversity of visas would be increased from 55,000 to 80,000 annually. It would create a regional economic development visa pilot program with 10,000 new visas for immigrants whose employment is essential for economic development in cities or counties. Hiring Americans should be the priority, especially in a COVID racked economy. Um, So says this article. Expensive and leftist foreign aid package for Central America. The USA would authorize $4 billion for this package over four years, uh, 50% of it without conditions. The remaining 50% could be given to Northern Triangle country countries after the Secretary of State certified that each country was taking effective steps to combat corruption, make reforms, etc. Missing from the list of requirements are the countries accepting their nationals back from the U.S., The bill would prioritize promoting social justice reforms, including environmental activism, um, over addressing and the addressing economic drivers of migration. It does not specify which bilateral donors the U.S. would engage. This is a matter of concern in view of China's expansive presence in the region. And China is expanding rapidly in Central America. So this bill... um, would be used to increase um, the Democratic voter um, rolls. It would um, bring in massive amounts of migration. Now, I think immigration is a good thing. Um, for me, America has always been a place—again, uh, a land of opportunity. I think. I think healthy immigration. Legal immigration is a good thing. Anybody who has gone through the immigration proc- progress process—I'm sorry, my sister-in-law has. Um, she is a proud American. Um, she is a Republican. <laughs> um, she is very big on on immigration laws, um, and um, I think that, uh, and I know that she looks very. Um, she looks down on illegal immigration because she feels like she would have she would be cheated at that point because she did work very hard to maintain her get her citizenship. It was a big day for us uh, for the whole family when she got her her citizenship and so um, I know that she holds that in very high regard to not have to work for it to have it just kind of given to you as a political um, football uh, to me it just completely um, cheapens the whole thing so. Um, also, in regards to Biden, uh, they're trying to pass this massive COVID bill, right? This um, this new um, COVID nineteen package. All right, now this thing has very little to do with COVID. It is meant to grow the government uh, to um, ridiculous levels. Uh, here's a couple things it does. Uh, first of all, it's going to add $14,000 per household, um, 14, of debt per household to the national debt. The pandemic, coupled with its effects on the economy, led to an unprecedented amount of federal spending. Uh, this year, we can already expect another $45,000 per household, despite the fact that the unemployment rate is 6.3%, which is not ideal, but not a crisis. The total national debt has risen to $27.9 trillion, for more than $215,000 per household. That is insane to me. I mean, the sure amount of interest on that, I mean, I, I just don't see how any country can, can call themselves successful and have that kind of debt. Um, let's see. Since it's unlikely we'll have a balanced budget at any time, every penny of debt on the books today um, will need to be refinanced. And let's see here. Just as responsible middle class household would carefully consider whether to add 14,000 in debt, Congress must be cautious rather than reckless in the nation's finances. Um, It says, um, let's see. COVID-19 is almost an afterthought in this bill. Um, The legislation throws massive amounts of taxpayer dollars at causes that are barely or entirely unrelated to the pandemic. Um, rapid tests for COVID-19 could be deployed for a fraction of the cost of the package, yet it would provide a vital tool for individuals and the medical community in preventing unnecessary disease transmission. Unfortunately, the F uh, Food and Drug Administration is dragging its feet, uh, having only approved one type of rapid test, rapid test that will be available in limited quantities over the year. Operation Warp Speed helped ensure the multiple vaccines were available, meaning multiple manufacturers making as many doses as possible. A similar approach should be needed uh, for rapid tests, um, but leaders are only prioritizing one kind. Uh, massive education spending won't, but but they won't actually reopen the schools. The package spends 170 billion dollars. Let that sink in: 170 billion dollars on education, which supporters say. Is meant to reopen schools faster than, however, uh, the details show something else entirely. First, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office reveals that only about a third of the education funds would be spent between now and September 2022, and that more would be spent in 2026 and then 2021, which is absurd um, given the urgency of getting children back to the classrooms. Secondly, Fifty billion in funds for reopening schools have yet to go out the door. Most of which have, was just passed in December. Considering that youths are at the lowest risk for the disease, and that teachers are receiving preferential treatment on vaccinations, $50 fifty billion, fifty billion should be more than enough. In reality, the additional one hundred seventy billion is a de facto payoff to teachers' unions, which of many of which are currently using issuing unreasonable demands for reopening schools. Providing the extra funding would. Re, Ward, this counterproductive behavior should be vehemently opposed. It opens the door for taxpayer funded abortions. Um, again, I don't know what your opinion is of it, but, um, it would, um, let's see here. It would prevent uh, federal, let's see. Um, let's do, 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 do. Oh, previous COVID-19 legislation contained standard provisions that prevent federal funding for abortions. Those provisions are missing from the new legislation. This means family planning money for planned planthood subsidies for health plans that cover abortion and even international funding about pro-life protections. It should be unconscionable that legislation supposedly justified as a way to preserve human life would be doing the opposite. Um, it's unprecedented, uh, minimum wage. You've heard a lot about this. Uh, they've really been trying to push this $15 minimum wage into the package and um, and Republicans have been fighting it. Um, anybody who knows anything about business would think that the um, $15 um, uh, minimum wage is ridiculous. Um, just small businesses trying to carry that kind of cost is ridiculous. Um, I can see the, the government trying to come up and, and want to subsidize that through small businesses, which I think is incredibly dangerous to have government anywhere near small business. Um, they just need to stay out of the the free market um, because they just screw it up. I mean, if you look at all the times in history, the government's got involved in the free market, they just cock it up. It, it's just the way it is. Um, it includes opportunistic welfare expansion. Um, it uh, creates a safety net program, affordable care act subsidies, and earned income tax credit. Cash welfare payments and more. Um, it ignores the fact that federal and state governments already provide an expensive safety net for unemployed and low-wage households as a tremendous cost to taxpayers. Excuse me. The economy is struggling, but is in much better shape than it was during the Great Recession, so there is no meaningful justification for expanding the welfare state. It gives huge handouts to special interests, includes more than a thousand dollars per person in funds for the state and local governments despite the fact that federal aid last year dwarfed any localized revenue reductions. At least $90 million would be given from the general public to pad out pension plans for private sector workers, overwhelmingly benefiting big labor. The at least is because the bailout could balloon to more than twice that amount. On top of that, 57 billion will go towards the transportation sector in a way that privileges unionized workers. This is probably Biden's trade-off for closing down the oil line pipeline he probably pissed off the union. And he's like, Whoa, 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 Don't worry. We'll get the money to you somehow. Um, these three things alone uh, come up to about $500 billion. And that's going to go to the, um, the, it's going to go to the central interest and, and unions. Um, the $1,400, um, payout that Biden promised, um, it, it, it really isn't going to do much for the economy. Uh, Again, you you throw an influx of cash in there and you're not doing anybody any favors. Um, Again, this has very little to do with, with COVID very little to do with jumpstarting the, um, the economy. All it's going to do is, is launder money through the unions, through the education center, back into the democratic party where they can use it for, um, for campaigns. Um, a big part of this bill that a lot of people aren't talking about is it's going to do a massive inflation to Obamacare. Um, it's going to, um, put a huge influx of cash. It's going to expand, um, benefits. Um, let's see. Um, it would increase the deficit to 34.2 billion over the next two years, uh, by 34.2, um, and add. Um, this work disincentive for the American recovery act um, and would impede um, it would impede recovery. Um, It includes a 40 billion down payment on the um, Obamacare plan. Um, And do we really need expansion on this? I mean, Medicare or the um, Obamacare has been shit show since the beginning and you're just going to throw more money into it there's better ways to do it, and I think that they really need to look at free market programs, um, and they're not going to do it. Uh, finally, um, again, Biden continues on with the um, Obama uh, administration's plans. You know, he announced to the G seven, "We're back, baby. We're we're coming in stronger than ever," and <laughs> sure enough, he starts bombing Syria. <laughs> so this is from Salon, which is a left-wing um, news site. It says the February 25th U.S. bombing of Syria immediately puts the policies of the new formed Biden administration in, into sharp relief. Why is the administration bombing the sovereign nation of Syria? Why is it bombing Iranian-backed militias who pose absolutely no threat to the United States and are actually fighting ISIS? If this is about getting more leverage to... Um, to Iran, why hasn't the Biden administration just done what it said it would do and rejoin the Iran nuclear deal? Because I think that would be a bad idea as well. But according to the Pentagon, the U.S. strike was in response to the February 15th rocket attack, so which killed a, a contractor. So there's a rocket attack in northern Iraq. It kills a contractor. And so Biden decides to start bombing Syria on a regular basis. How does that tie into each other at all? Um Let's see here. It says here, the Pentagon made the incredible claim that this action aims to de-escalate the overall situation in both eastern Syria and Iraq, because bombing people always de-escalates things. Um, it says here, the airstrikes are supposedly authorized by the 20-year-old post-9-11 authorization of use of military force legislation that Representative Barbie, Barbara Lee from California has been trying for years to repeal since it has been misused. Um, so it goes on, talk about how good she is, but I think that um, as we talked about last time, uh, Biden is really trying to um, get us back in the Middle East. you know, I he has um, canceled the domestic oil um, that we are getting on a regular basis and he is reaching out to, um, you know, foreign oil, this is just gonna continue to raise the gas prices as they continue to go up. Um, my wife told me uh, earlier that she she's not she felt like a crazy person because she pulled up to get gas and she saw prices gone up again and she's just like are you kidding me who voted for Biden um, <laughs> and and I agree anybody who sees this is going on I can't see how they can look and be like wow. You know, voting for Biden was a really good idea. You know, um, I I feel like um, by getting us into back into Syria, by bashing heads with Iran, by, um, you know, um, getting us back into Yemen and Somalia, um, you know, he's getting us involved in these proxy wars with China and Russia again. Um, he's just jacking up the the gas prices even further because speculators are going to look at conflict in the Middle East and they're going to they're going to raise prices again. And again, there is not a domestic source of oil that's coming in. I, someone had posted a meme and I don't know if this is true. I haven't looked at it yet, but it said that last um, since during the Trump administration, uh, domestic, um, we almost got 100 percent of our um, oil from domestic sources but since Biden has signed up, um, that has dropped to about zero and we are now getting our all our petroleum and oil from from foreign sources. Why would you want to give money to countries that, that do not like you, that want to be in conflict with you, that you know that burns you in effigy? I mean that does not make sense to me. So this continues on again with the democratic playbook. I think they're they're using it to force us into green policy by by jacking up the gas prices, and this just continues the shit show. I mean, Biden—nothing Biden is doing is beneficial to American citizens, right? Now, one good thing I see of this is that states are starting to pass their own laws to counteract um, Biden's. Um, bills, So Iowa has um, decided to um, pass their own gun bill where they are now not um, they're working on it. It's not through yet. But basically, Iowa would become one of 19 states that would not require a permit to purchase or to carry. And I I, I had posted that I thought it was a good thing. And someone was, oh, great. You just want shootouts in the street, which is, I think, the go-to answer. Nobody wants shootouts in the streets, but you know that that people that shouldn't have guns are going to, um, they're going to get them one way or another, right? So with Biden's plans to get guns or take guns off the street, to tax guns, to put them out as public information, to um, make you get insurance, to make you get a permit from a shotgun, and and t- you know, to prove ownership of antique guns, um, I, I think that states are going to be moving more and more towards opening things up. And, and thank God for it. Um, likewise, you know, I think they're you're going to see them. They, now, they can't counteract the Civil Rights Act um, that it, they're going to push through on this um, equality bill. But um, they can push through their own voter laws which Florida is now, Florida has passed um, an election reform package, which is going to, um, I'll read this real quick. Uh, it's going to ban ballot harvesting and uh, mass mailing vote by uh, mail ballots. Um, so he he's working to, to undo some of the harm. Hopefully other states will follow suit. I think they will. Um, again, I see these red states, Uh, Moving on state packages to try to counteract some of the executive orders and bills that are coming out of Washington, which I think is awesome. Um, Again, we talked um, earlier in the year to Pat McKeon uh, last year about the importance of paying attention to local politics and um, local politicians. This is proof of that. You know, these are the guys that are going to federally, you know, we may have a regime in place that is going to slam us. And try to um, control certain things. It's up to the state um, to protect us at a local level. To prevent the federal from pushing through. I think that's awesome. Um, to show you um, what kind of person Biden is. Um, and that the regime is. Um, the SEC is now spending training on any securities that show questionable social media activity. This is of course due to the GameStop Thing, um, anything that shows that um, that social media is ramping up to create a GameStop type um, short sell um, scenario, they're they're suspending the trading of those. So this is the government acting in response to the people, right? So if this was, you know, if it was your your typical not going to do jack shit occupy movement where they just marched on Wall Street and and talked about how how unfair Wall Street was. They wouldn't do anything. But since people are actually doing something and and they're fighting back with their own game and making money off of it, the elites and the rich people, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. we didn't sign up for this. You need to do something about it. So the SEC is like, OK, OK, don't worry. We got this. And so now they're jumping in to stop that from happening. So, again, that's. You know, you think Biden's for the little guy? No, he's not for the little guy. You know, he's just taking care of his constituents. You know, the, the big business that have been paying his bills. Um, it's really messed up. Uh, my final thing I want to touch on is, um, and this goes back to the equality bill. Have you seen the video of Rand Paul um, interviewing the, uh, the the health and human service chick? Um, what's your name? Rachel uh Rachel ooh, Driscoll. No, oh, I don't want to put the wrong name out there. Hold on here. Oh, Rachel Levine. Um, so I'll be respectful. Um, she wants to be considered a woman. So, um, he was questioning her about her, um, stance on hormone blockers for adolescents and, uh, genital, uh, mutilation, uh, for teenagers who, um, want to make that transition he asked her um, three times if uh, about her beliefs. Her response each time was, um, "Transgender science is is a complicated um, a complicated issue. I'll be happy to come by your office to discuss it in earnest." That was her response each time. Then you get this Democratic chick from California who comes out and she's like, "I think it's important to be respectful to our, our candidate or." Our, that are running for office or that are, are being appointed. And, um, it just shows, I I don't care who she is. I I don't care which party she is. Anybody who's going to put a wall of bullshit up like that and not answer the freaking question. I, I think it's incredibly harmful for you to, to put that in place any teenager, any adolescent, they should not be allowed to make the decisions. I mean, when I was a teen, I don't know how many times I'm, like, I'm going to run away. I'm going to kill myself. I mean, kids should not be able to make that kind of decision based on a bad, bad, um, a bad day, right? Um, I think that doctors should avoid pushing through that issue at all costs and avoid um, doing any procedures at all. I, I think that yeah, I mean you're still developing that at age, right? I mean until you're 21 there should be no, no process at all. That's going to change your gender, your, your body functions at all like that. Um, I just, if you have a chance to watch it, uh, watch it. I, she, she reminds me of a, a Muppet. It's really hard to take her serious. Uh, but Rand Paul does a good job. I, I really hope she does not get, um, the nominee or she is the nominee. I hope she does not get the appointment. Um, And again, nothing against the fact that she is transgender. It's the fact that she is uh, stonewalling. She's not answering the questions. She's playing politics. And you don't play politics with kids' lives. You don't play politics with people, period, but especially kids. And so I just find that incredibly disturbing. Check it out. Um, That's uh, all the time I got. I'm trying to stay faithful to, to Craig's One Hour. I think I've done a good job. And uh, we will see you on the main show and never stop talking. This has been your weekend wrap up. You guys have a good uh, rest of your week and we'll see you later. Peace. The break the bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Remzo and Justin. A shout-out to our sponsors, Goulash Media, On the Run with Remzo W. Martinez Podcast, and Van Zot Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next time, and let us continue to invade your earholes. and as always, never stop talking.